All right, welcome to Ghost Town. Back once again for whatever. That's what I'm promising today is whatever. Don't you love that word? How oh, it's just so prominent in our society these days. That's not cynicism. I love it. I love the word whatever. In fact, whatever is my middle name. Creepy whatever Steve. Nice to freaking meet you. I've got a few artists for you today in Ghost Town. Uh, last week, if you joined us, it was all talking heads. I just went for it. Two hours. Why the heck not? I earned it. I don't know. I deserve it. I'm entitled. One artist, two hours. It just shows you how much I appreciate them. This first guy in his group, not American. However, they've... Uh, he especially has definitely made his mark all over the world. Highly regarded as a songwriter, performer. He's taken on many different personas, all with one stage name. And his birth name, I'll give you a hint so far, Declan Patrick McManus. All right, it's Elvis Costello. I'm going to play you a few songs from his uh, first band. Well, actually... Technically his second band. I'm sorry. I'm skipping the first record, y'all. I'm sorry. No no Allisons, no Angels wearing red shoes today. Deal with it. We're going right to the attractions. Here's a 1977 single. Dig it.
Elvis Costello recorded his second album, This Year's Model, released in 1978. Ooh, yeah, baby. We'll save that one for next. I didn't realize it was on continue. Shoot me in the finger. Because it won't kill me. But I'll remember and I'll learn my lesson. Let's get back to it. This Year's Model, released in 1978, ranked number 11 by Rolling Stone on its list of the best albums from 67 to 87. And uh, it was his first with the attractions. I'm going to let you listen to this little, uh, this little ditty. It's an interview with Mark Marin. You're listening to Ghost Town. So, so to put together the attractions, what became the attractions, how did that happen? Advert in the musical papers, you know. Oh, then that's with a rocking combo or something. I don't know. We'd, no time wasters. They would have all these sayings, you know. Like, sure. You know, they and you auditioned people? or these We did. The- we auditioned, uh, you know. Pete Thomas was always going to be the drummer. We yeah, got, I, I see him been, around. He'd been yeah. living in. He's still uh, playing with you now, isn't he? Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. He'd been living in. Um, he'd been living in California for a couple of years. He'd been playing uh, with John Stewart, not, yeah. not the satirical John Stewart, the, right. the uh, Daydream Believer. Right, right, right. right. And um, so he'd had an experience of living in Topanga and living in Marin, uh-huh. and he'd been persuaded to come back to London, really, to be in my band. And uh, the other two guys, we found just out of the want ads, you know. And Steve, like, it seems like your, your relationship with this band, you know, really sort of collaboratively built the sound that you become known for, right? I, I, yeah, well, I mean, Steve was a very accomplished musician, even though he was very young. He was much younger than us. He was, yeah. not, I think he was 18. Actually. So he was like the wizard? You, everyone was yeah. sort of like, oh, my God. I didn't have <laughs> to really play anything. That's yeah. why you say about guitar playing. Yeah. When you've got a guy, you know, to your, you know, to your right who's yeah. playing all these incredible things, you... I let him ha- take it, and the bass player Bruce was also very active. He didn't hardly play the bass really. He just sort of played that like it was like playing cello or something. Uh-huh. He was always playing melodies, which were great. Right. And between us, we sort of you know a lot of great, and um, particularly English rock and roll bands don't take the conventional roles. Think about the Who. Yeah. What kind of thing is that? You know, yeah. you've got a guy soloing the whole time, and another the guy drummer, <laughs> big chords on the bass, and then yeah. this other. You know, it's completely it shouldn't make sense. And um, we sort of took that the confidence to go that way we didn't feel like we had to be like any other group
Pump It Up. That's Elvis Costello and the attractions off this year's model, the 1978 release. And I just want to share this tidbit with you. It's quite interesting. On December 17th, 1977, Costello and the Attractions, as a replacement act for the Sex Pistols, were scheduled to play Less Than Zero, the song, song on uh, Saturday Night Live. Um, however, in imitation of uh, Rebellious Act that Jimi Hendrix did on a BBC show, Costello stopped the song mid-intro, yelling stop, or rather stop, stop to his band, and played Radio Radio instead. And uh, that song does indeed criticize the commercialization of the airwaves, uh, which NBC and Lorne Michaels had forbidden them to play on the show. And Costello was subsequently banned from the show, although it was lifted in 1989. And he received considerable attention as an angry young man. Uh, His insistence on performing Radio Radio on SNL proved a boon to his debut album, and its popularity exploded in the U.S. after the performance.
Radio Radio. That's Elvis Costello and the Attractions. You know, Elvis went on to uh, produce another band. I'm going to go right into them right now. You're listening to Ghost Town. He uh, produced these guys, and, uh, you know, he had a thing for uh, for reggae and dub as much of the uh, the the young Brits from the mid-70s did. Um, they were hanging out and uh, listening to ska and ska bars with their with their chaps. And this caught on to their music as well. Um, he went on to produce this band that uh, they're an English two-tone and ska revival band. And they formed in 1977. Uh, their music combines a danceable ska and rock steady beat with punk's energy and attitude. Um, this band's known to have worn uh, mod style 1960s period rude boy outfits. Now what rude boy means is, uh, well in a nutshell, pork pie hats, tonic and mohair suits, and loafers uh but they were tough mind you it's the specials West Midlands is the highest populated black community in Britain, more or less. 
it's like the schools that I went to were like two thirds black and a third white and the youth clubs and discos all we used to listen to was reggae prime age of about three and um, yeah it was inevitable I suppose and there's two members of the specials that are black and five that are white I mean it's, it's just it's just something that you're bred into or whatever you know what I mean it's not contrived or anything you know, I mean, it doesn't matter what colour skin you are, how you dress. I mean, if, if you're into the same kind of things, then that's great. Some of your songs mention Rude Boys and the audiences at the gigs chant it at you. What does it mean exactly? Rude Boys was, it was like a cult thing in Jamaica in the mid-60s where people dressed really slick and they were like criminals. You know, it was like underground violence. But, I mean, it was just a fashion. How did the two-tone label come about? Um, our first single, Gangsters, we wanted a label to look like, to put across the, the message of the song on it, so we designed him, and um, that was basically it. That was a two-tone label, a little map. Well, basically, we want artistic control, and we want to stick out on our label what, what we want to stick out on our label you know, relevant of what it is. There are a few bands and we all needed an identity. I mean, the music and the clothes, but I mean, with the label, it's it's a stronger thing. It's it's a whole movement. What's the future of the two-tone label? Do you ever see yourselves becoming a big record company? <clears throat> Basically, it's just world domination.
The Specials, a band that formed in 1977 in England. Some of the cast members are Jerry Dammers, Tim Strickland, Linville Golding, Silverton Hutchinson, and Horace Panther. Those are some great names. They were first called the Automatics and then the Coventry Automatics. Uh, vocalist Neville Staple and guitarist Roddy Byers joined the band the following year, and the band changed its name to The Special AKA. And Joe Strummer of The Clash had attended one of their concerts and invited The Special AKA to open for his band in their On Parole UK tour, which gave The Special AKA a new level of national exposure, and they briefly shared The Clash's management. How about that? You just heard a message to you, Rudy. That's off their uh, debut album, The Specials. And uh, we open with their 1979 single, Gangsters. This next one is also off their first album and uh, was also featured in the 16 Candle soundtrack. How about it? You listen to Ghost Town. I'm Creepy Steve. One, two. Ruffian. <laughs> <laughs> Ruffian at that time, he said, right? 
they get into trouble. It's just like some uh, young boy over here now, England. Um, they get into trouble breaking into houses and you know just vandalizing place and setting place on fire. Well, when they get to about say 16, and they're doing little things a bit heavier than that, that's the rude boys or you could class rude boys in the way of skinheads now, but not the skinheads go around now fighting, but the rude boys, they didn't have to fight unless there was something to fight about. But um, the, the way of dressing was short trousers and short sleeve shirt, obviously shirt, or t-shirt, or whatever, or jeans, short jeans. Shoes back I broke down. Red socks. Just walking down the street didn't bother all. <laughs> I think that's something that's put across in quite a lot of your songs though, isn't it? Like let's keep out of trouble a bit, you know. I mean what about message to Rudy? I mean, is there any particular reason that you want to cover that? Uh, I mean a message to you is, is a message to um all the Rudy's, you know? That they should keep out of trouble. It's not worth it. In the long run, you just feel it, you know, it's, it's, it's not worth getting into trouble. So it's a message to all the kids who got and cast trouble.
Much too young. That's the special AK or the specials. I'm just going to call them the specials. Okay. You know who I'm talking about. You should, you should anyway. And that's not the cop and attitude. That's just uh, making you aware of your uh, responsibilities. That's all. That was uh, too much too young. The 1980 lead track off the special AKA live EP, except that wasn't live. So you heard that off of, uh, what did I play that off of? Oh yeah. That's off the debut still. But I didn't want to play a live version. I wanted to play the album track because it's all dubbed out. It sounds great. But uh, this reached number one in the UK in 1980. <clears throat> and I also wanted to let you know that uh, a little background, I'm a little more background on the specials. They began at the same time as Rock Against Racism, uh, which was first organized in 1978. And according to Dammers, um, the lead vocalist, anti-racism was intrinsic to the formation of the specials and that the band was formed with the goal of integrating black and white people uh, many years later, Dammer stated, music gets political when there are new ideas in music. Punk was innovative, so was ska. And that was why bands such as The Specials and The Clash could be political. I got one more for, for you here. This is the man at CNA. This is off their next record, More Specials. You're listening to Ghost Town. One in one in nuclear attack.
the specials, the man at CNA, or the special AKA. You pick your favorite. Run with it. Tell your friends. You're listening to Ghost Town. My name's Creepy Steve. Hello. And you're listening to the specials, is what I'm calling them. And uh, I wanted to make note, too. I said I quoted Jerry Dammers on the last break, and he I said he was the lead vocalist. That was a quick little error on my part. He's actually the uh, the keyboardist and lead songwriter. I mean, he's the guy that brought everybody together. He just wasn't the lead vocalist. So I wanted to make that note so you're not misinformed. I just don't want you to go to your next bar trivia. Get it wrong. Call me up. Say, what the heck, Creepy Steve, you failed me. I didn't get my bar money that I was hoping for. So there you go. I corrected myself, and... Uh, I got one more for you. Um, yeah, this band, The Specials, they released 10, I'm sorry, seven top 10 singles between 1979 and 1981. Uh, they broke up abruptly to form uh, different bands, one of which Funboy 3. Um, however, they got back together and they still are active. Um, they will tour. They've got some varying members, um, but you know some of the, the originals and uh, are in there, so they'll still have that same sound. All good stuff. All right, let's see if you recognize this one.
it up for the specials it's not the cops don't you hate that a lot of hip-hop does that too you notice that doesn't seem to suit the uh, general market either it's like i picture people that like hip-hop rolling down the road with a blunt and this is stereotypical um i'm going across races here this is um, this is just general to the world of hip-hop but uh i just thought it was funny you incorporate siren sounds and hip-hop music because i just picture somebody rolling down the street you know, riding dirty, freaking them out, then remembering it's on their favorite track. I like that. This sweet irony. I've been guilty myself. That's how I know. That's how I know, people. I've been there. I'm one of you. All right, that was the specials, and uh, you're listening to Ghost Town. I'm Creepy Steve. Whatever. I'm going to get into this next band here, formed in Akron, Ohio, my homeland. Not Akron, but the state of Ohio. That's where I'm from. A little transparency. 
Um, and that's where the ghost town is. That was after the, uh, you know, the, the automotive crisis about 10, 15 years ago. Lots of ghost towns in Ohio, but we're bouncing back, baby. Uh, classic lineup consisted of brothers, mother's ball, that's Mark and Bob, and brothers, Kasali, Jerry and Bob. Two Bobs. And then they also found this guy, Alan Myers, apparently doing uh, some sighting. Threw a band together and uh, got the attention of David Bowie, Iggy Pop. Eventually got a record deal, produced some hits. But not only that, they really jetted music into the next, the next wave, the next new wave, if you will. Okay, I'm going to get right into it now. Can you guess who it is? Can you guess? It's Devo. Yeah, 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 yeah
What did I do? I did something wrong. Here we go. It's hard to believe, Kel, this group came out of Akron, Akron Ohio. Ohio. With the title. <laughs> they rolled out. They came out of there by popular request, wasn't it, Jerry? Uh, yeah, it was pollution. They, yes. yeah. they paid us to quit playing in Akron. Yeah. Are you a man? I'm sure they are. These, what do you think, these are space cadets? Uh, well, uh, that's an inside thing. <laughs> Jerry, what did, how did Akron take it to Devo? Um... Jerry? Yes. Not like a tire to the road. No. No. What's Hardly there? at all. Hardly at all. We really were paid to quit playing in a club there. They paid us double if we'd only quit. Really? Yeah. Was it a rough town to break in this group? Well, yeah, everybody would basically fall asleep outside the doors of the clubs because they couldn't quite make it in. Aha. Uh -huh. uh -huh. No violence ever while you were playing. No. No. It, only in Cleveland. Cleveland gave you a bad Cleveland, time? Cleveland's very awake. They throw wine bottles, beer bottles, really well, very far. And is that why you wear the shields, huh? That's how it started. We wore helmets that night. Ah. ah. It was a Halloween, Halloween party. This is the truth. Yeah? This is not funny. It was, <laughs> it was a Halloween party? Halloween party. Everyone was dressed as uh, Frankensteins, humpbacks, um, ghosts, witches. Yeah. And they were drunk, and they started throwing beer bottles at us. My word. Those, those weren't the critics. No, those were the uh, people who, at the parties. Uh -huh. Well, then, in what town did your greatest success come? <laughs> well, I, don't, I can't think of anything greater than that. <laughs> well, I can't either, as a matter of fact.
Devo gained some fame in 1976 when the short film The Truth About De-Evolution, directed by Chuck Statler, it won a prize at the Ann Arbor Film Festival. And this attracted the attention of none other than David Bowie, who began to work to get the band a record contract with Warner Music Group. Uh, in 1977, Devo were asked by Neil Young to participate in the making of his film, Human Highway. It was eventually released in 1982, and the film featured the band as Nuclear Garbage Men. The band members were asked to write their own parts, and Mark Mothersbaugh scored and recorded much of the soundtrack, his first of many. I'll go into that later. Uh, in March of 77, Devo released their first single, Mongoloid, backed with Jocko Homo, the B-side of which came from the soundtrack to The Truth About De-Evolution on their independent label, Boogie Boy. And this was followed by a cover of the Rolling Stones' I Can't Get No Satisfaction, which you heard. Um, all these were released in 77 as singles. However, I am playing them to you off of their first official album where they re-recorded them with Brian Eno, as you might remember, producer of the Talking Heads for some of their noteworthy albums. See, some of these connections are starting to, or continuing to be made show to show. That's why it's, you can enjoy one of my shows independently, but really it's a continuing saga of, of, of life lessons. This goes way beyond music, people. You're right in the middle of Ghost Town, listening to Devo. I'm Creepy Steve. Hang on. WRFNLP Pasquo FM. You got it.
Joining us from Los Angeles, from our Los Angeles studio, Jerry Cassell and Mark Mothersbaugh, both are from Devo. Jerry, am I pronouncing that right? That's fine. That's fine? How do you pronounce yeah. it? Casali. Okay. It's Italian. Listen, what's... Uh, Tell me about your image. What do you think your image is, the image of Devo? Uh, our image is basically self-induced, and it came not from ideas outside, but rather from within. So our, our image is honest, uh, based on what we are as humans. What is it, though? We are Devo, and we're glad of it. Well, uh, how do you think the perception of Devo is throughout uh, America? Uh... Gee, I, I, I'd hesitate to guess. I think uh, we have every kind of perception possible. We've been accused of being fascists, of clowns, of fascist clowns, of uh, stupid. Uh, that's probably the, the most complimentary. I think Devo may be the most misunderstood band ever to uh, show up on the face of the planet. Uh, Mark, why is that? Because... <clears throat> I mean, you look like a couple of nice young guys from Akron. That's right. Yeah, well, you know, it's we were giving them alternative information on stage through our music. Uh, we were dealing with ideas rather than just uh, the same thing over and over again. Yeah. What's your reputation, your image, you think, among other musical groups, whether rock or otherwise? I think they're uh, glad that we're experimenting and they're not.
you're right in the middle of Ghost Town, listening to Devo. I wish I could give you a visual on these guys. If you, uh, if you absolutely have no idea what Devo has looked like ever in any of their uh, eras, album periods, get on YouTube, search Devo. That's D-E-V-O. If if you don't know how to spell Devo by right by now, you weren't listening to the last track. Um, you just weren't listening. Why why don't you listen? What listen to me? That's why I'm doing this. Otherwise, I'll just go home and drink more Jameson, slap myself around. That's what I do in my off time. It's a lot of off time. I only do a two-hour show a week. <laughs> Somebody help me. All right. Are We Not Men? We are Devo. I'm playing tons of tracks off this first record. I love it, man. Um, I definitely have a few more for you, too. wanted to make note that uh, the the main vocalist, uh, Mark Mothersbaugh, he went on to do some great um, soundtrack work and, and, and movie scoring. Um most notably to me personally, Pee-wee's Playhouse, um, not the, not the score for the movies. Um, that was, uh, Danny Elfman, um, from, uh, um, Oingo Boingo fame who, uh, you know, one day I might get into those guys too, but, uh, Pee-wee's Playhouse, he did the themes, the theme music, uh, the intro, the outro. Um, and then also he is, uh, more notably famous these days for his scoring of Wes Anderson movies. And also, uh, you'll catch some, uh, Devo tracks, um, that are mixed in and out of these movies too, along with his original scoring. Uh, this next one in particular is from The Life Aquatic with Steve Zissou. You're listening to Ghost Town.
for someone who's just turning in and they, tuning in and they hear this question of a misunderstood image about the music and our difference, what is it you think is your difference? Um, as Mark said, we, were, we weren't telling them the same old thing. We were dealing with other sets of emotions and alluding to things and we were kind of giving a voice to a lot of, uh, I think, feelings and, and ideas that are out there that never, never get exposure. Um, we weren't trying to make, for instance, in our videos, baby pictures for the record company yeah. or a glamour ad that looks like a Jordache Jean commercial or any other Jean commercial. And uh, we were doing instead um, kind of uh, um, autobiographical statements um, using images and using costumes and using humor to, to talk about uh, uh, just... Um, the irony of, of life on the planet. No one particular country or group or anything, but more or less uh, taking a little poke at, at human nature in general.
Ah, the whimsical oh. sounds of DeVoe. DeVoe before Bell and Biv got to him, you know? If you get that, I feel sorry for you. That was a terrible joke. Oh, oh. You're right in the middle of Ghost Town. I'm Creepy Steve. And you're listening to WRLP Pasquo. There you go. All the info you need. Now you can go about your day feeling good. I'm still playing a bunch of tracks off of uh, Devo's 1978 debut, Are We Not Men? We Are Devo. And you just heard Come Back Johnny. That's Johnny spelled J-O-N-E-E. And uh, you heard an interview, uh, a couple interviews in there with uh, Charlie Rose from 1984. That was uh, Jerry and Mark interviewing. Uh, Before that, Gut Feeling and Slap Ya Mammy. And that's the track I was referring to uh, that was on the the, uh, Wes Anderson movie. The Life Aquatic with Steve Zissou. Uh, And then we had Jocko Homo in there. And Mongoloid, I can't get no satisfaction. I'm basically playing the whole record minus a few uh, uh, tracks that aren't so, you know, radio savvy. I I would play the whole thing. I actually contemplated that, but I just didn't have the time to do everything. That's uh, usually the case. So I'm just going to keep going, doing what I'm doing. Uh, This is Sloppy. You're listening to Ghost Town. Grab your ankles.
these weird sounds coming out. You've got to explain all this to us. I mean, like, is this how you sort of make up all these songs? With all well, we let the machines make up the songs. We just are the human instruments, of, uh, you know, the uh, host mechanisms for machine noise. I mean, all these instruments. Mark, you do talk, don't you? I am the chemist. I make the musical stink bombs for Devo. Is that all you're going to say? Can you explain first, Mark? What's this? We're using technology to make caveman sounds. <laughs> and you're not doing a bad job either. Uh, Alan? Mark's right, Jerry's right. This is all a technology in the most primitive form of expression. Shrivel up now, Devo. That's going to do it for uh, Are We Not Men? We Are Devo. It's not done for Devo, though. I'm going to keep going with my Devo set. I got this. I got this. I'm going to backtrack a little bit. Um, started playing the uh, the first record just because they had uh, 
released some early singles in 77 that were re-recorded, like I said, for the first album that came out in 78, um, reproduced by none other than um, Brian Eno. And so I'm going to backtrack a little bit. In 78, before their um, debut, Devo released the Be Stiff EP, um, and it was released by British independent label Stiff, and uh, included the uh, the title track plus two previous uh, releases off their off of Devo's uh, independent record label Bougie Boy. So I'm gonna go ahead and play. Where am I at here? Yes, the title track to the Be Stiff EP. Can you guess what the title is? to the basics of the group can you just tell us how you sort of all got together because it's sort of family affair too isn't it sure it you know it wasn't a popular position that we had in akron ohio right to say the least we were anywhere from hated to made fun of and uh our brothers were easy prey bob and bob right so we brought them into the group and uh found alan putting up aluminum siding right. and he agreed with uh, devo's particular vision so what did you actually start off with? I mean, when you first performed, you know? Um, conga drums, uh, acoustic guitar. We were doing, like, uh, protest folk music. Right. Protest folk music? Mm-hmm. When was that? 
1975. Right. Hang down your ears, Tom Dooley. Remember that one? I do, do indeed. Uh, well, tell us about it. Blowing in the wind. <laughs> Have you met Billy Joel? No. Um, Billy Joel says about that much in an interview as well. But to get back to the point, then right. Mark bought a synthesizer and everything changed. Right. And from then it just built and built and built, right? Well, you could say that. It right. devolved. Okay. I mean, where did this sort of the image come from then? Who thought up the image? Where's, um, it's hard to explain to people who don't live in America, but America is like the pinnacle of uh, Western culture. And we were surrounded by fat women in curlers and hippies on quaaludes and... Uh, a lot of just decay and indulgence and um, ridiculous beliefs and values and systems of behavior that we didn't feel part of or didn't agree with. And we, we uh, set about using music to restructure things and report on what we were looking at, which we called de-evolution, right. and then derived the name of the group from that fact, calling it Devo. Does it worry that you, your music may be coming to the, to the populist commercial to the point that everyone likes it? No, I mean, it deserves to become commercial. It deserves to become huge. Right. deserves to become the next thing because we represent the way a lot of kids feel and we represent like the next force i feel right. and it's our duty to be as big as we can be and still be viable it's the it's the uh, challenge you know how how soon will you become ridiculous how soon will you become the people that you hated right thank you all uh, and uh, you got nothing to say before we finish this interview <laughs> if the spud fits wear it <laughs>
Devo released its De- second. What? <laughs> Man, these CDs. I swear it. Let's move on to a different media format already. Come on, technology. Come on, society. All right, back to my point. Devo followed up uh, their first record in 1979 with their second, Duty Now for the Future. This moved the band more towards an electronic instrumentation. And while not as successful as their first album, it did produce some fan favorites with songs like Blockhead, which you just heard. Uh, Also, The Day My Baby Gave Me a Surprise, as well as the cover of the Johnny Rivers hit, Secret Agent Man. Um, And then in uh, 1980, Devo gained a new level of visibility with the album Freedom of Choice. Um, This contained the top 40 hit Whip It, and it moved... uh, um, the band moved to an almost completely electronic sound uh, with the exception of acoustic drums and uh, Bob Mother's Boss guitar. Uh, this tour for Freedom of Choice was ambitious for the band. It included dates in Japan, the UK, France, Germany, Italy, the Netherlands, and Canada. And the band used a minimalist set, including large custom light boxes, which could be laid on their back to form a second smaller stage during the second half of the set. I'm telling you, you got to get on YouTube and look up Devo. You got to see these guys in action. Here's Girl You Want, our freedom of choice. You're listening to Ghost Town. She sits in the top of the greener 
going to usher in the Halloween holiday with two shows at Radio City Music Hall on Saturday night. And right now, we are delighted to welcome two members of the group, Jerry Casal and Mark Mothersbaugh, alive at five. It's nice to have both of you with us. Well, oh, it's nice to program. be here. We're delighted, Jack. Good. Well, I'm glad. What kind of... Why are you wearing those glasses? Uh, because I'm legally blind without them. That's a good reason. What is the new image with the uh, plastic... Uh, JFK-type uh, hairdos. Is this part of the preppy uh, influence in our country this day? Um, actually, we're just adapting to the uh, feudal, feudal corporate state that we find ourselves in today. Is that F-U-T-I-L-E or Feudal, like -E uh, Camelot. I like Camelot. Yeah, not futile. No, feudal, as right. in warring. The song Whip It was a vehicle that allowed you to perhaps move from being a cult group yeah, a little more toward the mainstream of rock and roll. It was a big record, but it was a record that was misunderstood to a degree. That's why it was big. That's why it was big? Right. You want to explain what you mean? Yes. Remembering <laughs> that this is on at 5.30 in the afternoon and it's live. I'm contemplating. <laughs> People thought it was a song with certain sexual innuendos. Right. When really it was a song of moral uplifting value. Why? A, a can-do philosophy that's familiar to all American businessmen. But it was popular because people could interpret it as being convoluted and sick. And that was the reason they went out and bought it, you think? Everything that sells usually is.
All right, that's Gates of Steel from Freedom of Choice. You're listening to Devo on Ghost Town. Before that, Freedom of Choice, the title track. Also, Whip It in there, the top 40 hit. Getting short on time, folks. About to head out of here. Uh, be sure and stay tuned for RFN Weekend. I've got, uh, let's see, I've got one more track for you after a short interview. And uh, in 81, Devo contributed a cover of Working in the Coal Mine, recorded during the Freedom of Choice sessions. Uh, and they contributed it to the film Heavy Metal. Um, they offered the song to be used in the film when Warner Brothers refused to include it on the album. Uh, Warner then included it as an independent bonus single accompanying their 1981 release, New Traditionalists. And for this album, Devo wore self-described utopian Boy Scout uniforms topped with a New Traditionalist pomp, uh, which is a plastic wig modeled on the hairstyle of John F. Kennedy. All right, there you go. All right, you're listening to WRFNLP Pasquo, and this is Creepy Steve. Um, I'm likely going to not talk anymore after this because, frankly, you all have worn me out, but I had a good time. One more from Devo. This is off a new traditionalist and also, coincidentally, is featured on the heavy metal soundtrack. Here's through being cool. Why did you change your image from the bowls on your heads to the... Chemotherapy, Jack. Fine. No, we didn't like in the butter fun finger, of, actually. Oh, probably. Mm-hmm. Many people thought they were flower pots, and we didn't we didn't appreciate being made fun of in that manner. Oh, well, I can appreciate a sensitivity, I suppose. But what were they? Well, they were energy domes, as a matter of fact. Yeah, energy domes. Yeah. Uh, energy comes up through your body and escapes out the back of your occipital lobe, and uh, we were, we made the hats to capture that energy, kind of like a Jacob's ladder, and send it back down through your body. I see, but That's back down. I know it's a dirty word these days, but we're... What, body? Kind of, no. We're kind of conservationalists. Conservationalists? Yeah. What do you mean? We're through being cool. We're through being cool. 